I'm Ingrid Delamar Kenny. I'm the CEO and founder of The Method. She's also my wife and she's the smartest woman I've ever met. First of all, she's my mom and she's really cool. She's all that and she's a superhero. Never mind CEO, she's gangster. This is the Pardon My French podcast. Welcome to episode 42 of Pardon My French. I am Ingrid Delamar Kenny and I am your host live from Monaco. Boy oh boy, do I have a podcast for you. This podcast episode has been, I think, along with hormones and weight loss, one of my most requested subjects. And I have touched on business before, so this podcast episode obviously is about business. I've touched on business before. I've brought some of my friends who are incredible businesswomen, um, but I think I'm going to go more into the nitty-gritty of things and kind of explain how I got here. I think that's pretty much the question that all of you have had for me. How did you get here? And let me tell you, I am here, but I still am the owner of a very small business. It's not even where I would want it to be. Um, And I need to kind of muster up the, I want to say the courage to grow beyond what my expectations are right now. So I'm still a work in progress. I'm not by any means um, claiming to be the businesswoman of the year. But I do have some tricks up my sleeves that do work and that have worked for my brand and I'm happy to share them with you. So let me sum up where this is going. First of all, I have to tell you, I am at a huge advantage when it comes to business sense. And it's not because I went to, you know, a school of commerce or a school of finance, not at all. I went to law school. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know that. Um, And Let me tell you, law school doesn't teach you anything about business sense, but I probably went to the best school of life when it comes to business and especially commerce. Um, I grew up with my parents. My parents were very successful businessmen and businesswomen in the schmata business, the fashion business in wholesale and retail. And to me, it's been incredible to see just how much I've absorbed of their brilliance and their, their business sense growing up with them um, as my parents because I'm now doing retail and wholesale and even though you know I've evolved with our times my parents didn't have any internet there was no you know online business no websites no e-commerce I've been able to adjust to you know our times of course and technology but the core of everything that I do when it comes to business, even when it comes to, you know, wholesaling, like there are principles to wholesaling. You can't just come up with a brand and, you know, your product starts doing well and then you want people to start distributing your product. You usually have to hire a COO who has a really good sense of wholesale. And we do have a COO, but the whole aspect business um, plan of it 
I'm the one who drew it out and I pretty much mimicked what I've seen my parents do in their business. And to me, that's incredible because very often there's so much emphasis put on you have to go to college, you have to get, you know, a degree um, to make it in business. Let me tell you, not necessarily. If I can give you advice, if school doesn't work for you, and you know I push for school and academic um, brilliance, my kids are going to law school, but I have Dakota, for example, who's way more artistic, and at first she said she wanted to go to law school, and I'm like, that's not what you want. That's what your brother and your sister want, and that's what you think I want. I just want you to be happy and love what you do. You know, I went to law school, and I ended up not being a practicing attorney, so my point is if school is not working for you or has not worked for you and you think you need to take like finance classes or commerce classes let me tell you my best advice to you is to take internships internships instead of spending money on studies take internships try to work for someone who is brilliant in the business that you're trying to break through into. So that will be my first advice. And that's like for the youngest of you. Even if you choose to go to school, because having a degree is, you know, something that is good to have under your belt. I would say study even something else. But if you are going into business, like a business like mine, find an amazing internship. Find a mentor. That is my best advice to you. And don't look to get paid a lot of money. Look to get paid in, in knowledge. That's what my parents did for me. And I'm trying to do it now with my children. You've seen Savannah work for me this summer. And actually throughout quarantine in March and April, um, she's been a huge part of my business. She's been working for me since she's 18 years old. And she actually even worked on our transform retreat at the Grand Hotel du Cap Ferrat. She was one of my core event coordinators. And it is so important to like have my kids being part of my operation. I always say it's a family business. It's a small business. Don't be afraid to call your business a small business. There's a lot of respect that comes with that. There's nothing embarrassing about being a small business. Don't be afraid to say, I am a small business. Even if the person you're competing with or the person you're looking up to, which are two different things, are, you know, have huge headquarters and they're showing a very flourishing, huge business corporate in a corporate area. Don't let that tear you down. Don't let that bring you down. Um, having a small business is something very respectable. My parents were extremely successful with their small businesses and that's all they've had were small businesses and they were brilliant and successful and they gave us a beautiful life you know we've owned homes my father had has bought us beautiful cars when we got our our driver's licenses and you know we all that to say i grew up pretty privileged and you know knowing that my father was the butcher's son and I'm the butcher's daughter, if you've listened to my podcast with Lauren from The Skinny Confidential a few episodes back um, where I'm talking about my dad who passed away when I was really young. I mean, really young. I was 17. Um, 
you you will know that he taught me humility and said we're nobodies so when i say and there's the whole story about being the butcher's son and me being the butcher's daughter and if you listen to that episode and you really should it's it's a it's an excellent part of being successful in business to listen to that podcast first of all because lauren from the skinny confidential is a brilliant businesswoman but also because we talk about the concept of humility which i think is a key to making it in business um not that i'm you know the like i said the businesswoman of the year but if you're here listening to this podcast it's because you've wanted to know what i've been doing to reinvent myself and be here so the first thing that you need to know is that sharing my journeys and i i said journeys with an s at the end um means i have to tell you about my careers and my trial and errors i've had a few careers one of them was a very successful career but i knew it was time for me to reinvent myself towards the end of it i worked worked for about 17 years in the fashion industry and i was a fashion stylist um i dressed wealthy people and i dressed socialites and i dressed celebrities um as you know i've worked on sex and the city as an assistant costumes designer and prop stylist i've worked for vogue magazine i've worked on gossip girl i've worked on will and grace um and that was a beautiful career and i started it was it was an accidental career because i was just a sales girl for patricia field in her store in soho when i started and i was like 18 um and she recruited me to work with her on set and that was like very accidental but that's for another podcast is really like this is not what this podcast is about this podcast is about how did i get here professionally so i had past careers and what happened to me with fashion is i felt like fashion kind of voted us out as stylists fashion stylists became obsolete in the sense that bloggers were coming in really strong um and not just bloggers they were the the socialites were coming in really strong you know um the um, what do you call them the reality stars like the kardashians were front row at the fashion weeks and you know people like the blonde salad chiara ferragni i think her name is you know they they were starting to style magazine covers and they were starting to be super relevant and people were reading their blogs to know what's in style and i i felt like you know it's my time to take a bow to take a bow take a bow sorry um not a bow what the fuck anyways it's my time to take a bow and you know kind of boot myself out before i get the boot and i very much felt like you know those supermodels back in the 80s um when they needed to reinvent themselves and become like actresses and lingerie designers and have their own like bikini lines or whatever because they were aging out of the business i felt that way i very much felt that way and um i was like you know this is no good so we were back in like 2000 i think 11 and i kind of looked around and i was with my friend eric stern who's also an incredible fashion stylist he's at my wedding he was my man of honor my man of honor 
if you've seen him. Um, and I told him, Eric, we need to reinvent ourselves. We're going to get the booth. Brian Boy is sitting in the front and Lee Pudas in the back. We are no longer relevant to, you know, to fashion. And I reinvented myself um, at that point and moved to Monaco. It was a long process to reinvent myself. You know, when you have a career like I've had, it's very, very hard to come off your high horses. But I guess the point of this story is to say that, you know, you can grow out of careers and careers can outgrow you. This is a fast-paced time where, you know, technology goes faster than us. And sometimes you just need to reinvent yourself. It's not easy, you know, I had three children to feed. Um, my ex-husband did not contribute to that. So I needed a job that was gonna pay and I knew that fashion, once would give, once it would give me the boot, I would crash and burn. So I moved to Monaco and I started working for fashion TV here. Um, and it was a different aspect of fashion because it was like in production and you know, like behind the scenes and a little bit of presenting and I hated it. You know, it was it wasn't really fashion to me. On top of it, I think fashion TV in Monaco is a whorehouse. I I have my doubts on that, but that's for another conversation. So anyways, I kind of like took a few punches in the face and kicks in the butt trying to leave the fashion business and, and especially leaving such a beautiful career behind while it was still in its high. Um but ultimately I struggled I lost everything at that time and um, I did a little bit of work in Monaco when I left fashion TV in public relations like I touched a little bit of everything and uh, for a little while it was a pretty miserable time and the kids and I ate a lot of spaghetti which was crazy because in fashion sometimes I could get paid like $1,000 a day just for styling a celebrity for a magazine. Um, I guess what I'm saying here is like, don't be afraid. This shit will happen, but it's worth it. So ultimately, I got another job, which I pitched on a headhunter website. And then I got a headhunter which was a crazy thing because here a headhunter is someone you pay. So you pay them out of your salary when you get paid or eventually you pay them before. And I paid before uh, because they kind of helped me redefine my career. And I found myself with an incredible job with a very important person in Vietnam, an American man in Vietnam. And, um, I worked for him in crisis management, public relations. And I guess what came in handy here uh, was my work in the entertainment and fashion business, my law degree. But ultimately, ultimately what got me hired was the fact that I went to prison. And I cannot say more. Um, you know, I went to federal prison and I fought a federal case and I had a law degree and all of that stuff. I can't say more because I signed an NDA with that job, but that job changed my life. And for a little while, I was very passionate, but it was very, very stressful. Um, 
And what I did was, I loved the job, but that, that was not me. That job was not me. And the level of stress that that job implied was not me. And also traveling to Vietnam and Singapore, because he lived in both places, was not me either. I didn't like it. This is where I get to how you should start. I did that job because it paid extremely well. Thanks to that job, I got out of a pretty abusive relationship. Not my ex-husband, boyfriend that I had in Monaco, where I actually was with for about two years, right before I met Jill. Um, and it was hard for me to get out of that relationship because I had lost everything. And that relationship contributed a little bit to me losing everything and losing focus also. Um, but mainly having to reinvent myself in business is to blame for that. Um, so what I did was, my passion was to go back to, you know, the health and wellness, um, not even industry, because I did this on a professional level as an athlete before I was a professional ballet dancer. But throughout my years in fashion, I always always followed my passion and I got my certifications in Pilates you know I went to train with Mary Windsor in Santa Monica in, in California over the years I during my time in fashion I created the method I patented the method and so when I started working um, for that that boss in Vietnam I was like, I need to use part of the money that I'm making now that I'm able to give a beautiful lifestyle to my children. Part of this money has to go into really going into my own business. And once I feel ready, I will leave this job. I will, I will leave this job and go on my own. And so I worked for that guy for about two years. And for those two years, I used some of the money that I made to invest into what became the method monaco and to open up my fitness studio a lot of the background work that i did was at night so at night i went on register.com and you could do that on monster.com there's a lot of websites you could even use like um what's that like those blog you know the blog pages to do that and i and i've said this before i've given this tip before but it was important to include it in this podcast I um, created a website so you never publish it so people can't see it but I created the website from scratch and that website kind of was my my vision board every night after I finished my work for let's call him Mr. X Mr. Vietnam Mr. X let's call him that keep him anonymous um, I would come home, make dinner for the kids, and when everyone would go to bed, I would get on my computer and work on my project. And this is one of the best advice I can give you. Don't quit a job you don't like, but that pays the bills. Just work double shifts. Work for your job full time. And then on your free time, even your night time, like I literally, um, was taking ashwagandha I was you know drinking coffee to keep me awake and I worked hours in the night to build my dream and my vision board was that that website that I was creating and building and not publishing enough and so the first thing that you do 
is you create the homepage and the homepage you should describe your business what is your message you know um and think of your business as a story so tell your business story it has to be a great story you position your brand you know as a story and that's kind of what i did with the method um and i had created a whole business plan about it not to pitch it to anyone i figured i would be my own investor if i could keep this job which was i which was not what i wanted to do but paid well that job was going to be my investor for my little business and i did that for two years and so you do the home page and you define your business you know you summarize um what your business is and how it could change your potential customer's life um and i think that this is important so you you create that home page and for you it kind of clears up you know your ideas in your mind you you kind of clarify your message like what are you selling who is it a solution for and how are you going to provide it to them and so that's what the home page on that unpublished website would be and it's an amazing vision board because you can start adding pictures and you know you and i did that every day and then i went on the me page and i wrote my biography my credentials instead of writing a resume my credentials and again you know what i will contribute what can i what solution can i bring to my potential customers um and why should they trust me to do it and that kind of redefines you already as a boss so you're going to work for someone during the day but at night when you are opening up your unpublished website and creating it um you're a boss and it's on your own terms but remember to do this with humility and i did that for 2 years and then i went through all of the legal um procedures and pr- the whole legal process to finish the patent on the method protocol uh and that cost money so i was lucky that i knew to keep working and i think that you know when people say quit everything and follow your passion i disagree don't quit everything and follow your passion use um use it use what you're doing use that paycheck to fuel your passion and once your passion is fueled and ready to go and can start making money or even started making money because i started the method by hiring someone and give you know giving them the training and certification to teach the method and then i sent her name was charlotte i loved her i'm still in touch with her i sent her out to give sessions in monaco as i was still working for mr x and when i saw that we can start making money because she was making money for me then i was like you know what charlotte it's time i quit with mr x and i join you in teaching and that's kind of how the whole thing started so i'm not telling you to be a kamikaze especially because you know you might have children you might have responsibilities and rents to pay o- open up that website go on a website builder build your dream on there build your dream career and every day look around you and 
every day add to it. And when you come home, after you make dinner, after you've put your children to bed, if you have children, after you've taken care of your responsibility or went to visit your older parents or whatever, sit on that computer and build your website. Build your website and one day hit publish. And the day you hit publish is the day that you are ready to monetize. That is so important. I want to talk to you about snipped and style. It's a clothing line that a young woman who buys Simply in Yolin and is in my tribe started when she was 17 years old to turn her boring college t-shirt into something chic as fuck. Fast forward six years, she still owns and operates the business 100% and she launched a new comfy cozy collection just a few weeks ago during quarantine. She hosted College Power Hours on IG Live where she interviewed college students to help answer questions submitted by her followers. Incoming college students used their power hours to learn more about university that they wanted to attend despite not being able to visit in person due to COVID. So she does a lot for college life, but also the line is super, super cute. It's called Snipped and Styled. So you can go on the website snippedandstyle.com and it's owned by Remy who is a cutie and I love her mom Mary. Mary is an amazing cook so I love the fact that they're in my tribe that I got to discover this little business and I think it's definitely cute like even I at 43 years old I want some of these sweaters. The new line is just so so cute. Just visit them. Uh, we're going to put on the show notes also um the Instagram for Remy's personal page and for Snipped and Styled. Let me tell you something about building your own website. So you're probably going to say, no, I don't know how. Website builders are very easy to use. Sure, you might need a little help with graphics and providers like Register or Monster.com or other providers um, have people readily available that you can pay to advise you on a little bit of the graphic setup. But building your own website is like writing your own book. I've had a few graphic designers reach out to me because they've bought a new link for me and they're brilliant. I've seen their work. They send me their page and they're like, I can rebuild your website. Your website has a lot of information. It takes a little longer to load it. Do you have too many pictures? Um, and I'm like, Nah, everyone can have a website like Neiman Marcus, Bloomingdale's or Net-A-Porter. I don't want that. I want to clarify my message for my customers. I think that marketing is a money pit and it's a failure and I'll tell you why. When you pay for marketing, not public relations, public relations is something else. I'm talking about marketing, commercial ads and having graphic designers work on your website. No one can write your story brand better than you can. So when you are giving your story brand and outsourcing to a marketing company, they're often not going to speak to your customers the way that you will. They're going to create noise and they're going to create a message very similar to the message they've created for other brands like yours, sometimes even your competition. 
So often the problem is not with the product or the service offered, but it's rather with the way it is communicated. And why is that? It's because people like me and you with a story brand that we love need to tell our own story. Graphic artists and designers, they build most websites, right? And the content writing is often an afterthought. So it may look pretty and preach here, but they're bad at communicating a clear, compelling message that makes customers listen. I want to come back up to the word of, I want to speak again, sorry, about the word authenticity. I don't think it's authentic to have a bunch of marketing people and graphic designers tell your story. It's like having a ghost, a ghost writer and then having an editor come on top and say, well, your story would sound better if you didn't go to jail. Let's just not put that in there. That's exactly the same. That's not my story. That's a bona fide story by a graphic designer or a marketing um, professional trying to make my website, my story brand prettier. But that's not my story and that won't sell. The fact is pretty websites and pretty stories don't sell things. Words sell things. Adversity sell things. You know why? Because it makes you relatable. People can only listen to you and understand you if they can relate to your story and your message. And this is what your small business should inspire or be inspired by rather. I'm not saying you have to have struggled in the past. I'm saying you have to tell your true story and no true story is absolutely perfect. No true story is a perfect white page on a website with a few pink or black pretty pretty buttons. There's a lot, a lot of words that should be added. Does that make sense? The first thing you have to do when you start a business is think of your customer as your hero. There's only one kind of hero in your story. You can't have 60,000 heroes. So define your customer base really well. Who is your customer? What problem does your customer have? And how can you help your customer solve that problem? I feel like you will, first of all, feel amazing about what you're doing, your mission, because to me, your job, especially if you're gonna be a small business owner, you know, it has to be a passion. You have to love and believe in what you're doing and what your message is. So when you position your brand as a guide to help your customers, you find the tools and confidence to succeed, if that makes sense. Um, So I've said this so many times and I've seen the downfall of those professionals, whether extremely well-known and very accomplished, but I 
I've seen their brand kind of tumbling down or shutting down after a while or you know only being a hype for a while and then going down whenever the hero the the business owner or the founder positions themselves as the hero and sees their customers as their adepts and subjects this goes wrong you know this is not a kingdom ship there's a stage to be shared for the information that you give for the product that you're selling the solution you're providing the stage is not yours to have as the business owner you are the problem solver i always say it you're the cue to their james bond 007 if you watch james bond i love james bond well you know me i get sidetracked So always position when you tell the story of your brand on your unpublished website. Choose your hero. Choose your customer and work on creating this website to serve that hero, to facilitate that hero's mission in accomplishing whatever they're coming to you to accomplish to give them the solution to whatever dilemma they have. Whatever you're selling is a solution for someone. In my case, I knew women that would come to me, and mainly women, I have some men, but I focused on women. My heroes are heroines for the most part. No offense to a few of my professional athlete males, but my overall message was to a heroine who has dieted, has tried everything with and for her body and still has not achieved the results and optimal health and weight control that she thrives for. So she's my hero. That woman is my hero. That woman also needs some motivation. That woman needs better information about the environment she lives in, the types of food that she should and shouldn't eat. She should be better informed about supplementation in her country. That woman needs someone to give her a boost of energy so she can shine. That's my heroine. If you're a makeup artist, You are not the heroine of this story. You're not the hero of this story. Your customer is. This customer wants to feel more confident. She wants to have better skin. She wants to be a star. She wants to feel like a star. Your job is to facilitate that mission for her. She's the hero. You are the facilitator to her mission. So thinking of your business as a story brand, I'm going to tell you what I always say about my story, my personal story. You guys remember when, I don't want to call her a copy cow anymore because it's like water under the bridge now, but that woman I was having lots of problems with, um, was 
trying to discredit my integrity in the wellness and health world because I went to prison. And she tried to own my narrative and she tried to tell my story and tried to tell everyone I went to prison. And I said, fuck no. If you have a skeleton in your closet, own your fucking narrative, own your ugly so that no one can. And I did. I own my narrative. When it comes to your business, you need to own your narrative. Stop outsourcing and hiring people to tell your story. In real life, we don't want people telling our story. We hate when people gossip about us and tell lies about us, right? Or a misconstrued truth. My mom tends to tell my story by always beautifying it. She never likes to tell my story by talking about my struggles, my shortcomings. She beautifies it. Some people can say she lies about it a little bit. And that's really one side of my mom that I don't really get along with because everything has to always look much prettier. I think it's an older generation type of thing with a lot of taboos and we don't talk about things that were deemed embarrassing. And I realized over the years as she was doing that, that it's never worked for me. Beautifying doesn't work. So while your business has to be attractive and it has to be a pretty page online because if it's ugly or looking unprofessional, people won't take the time to read your story, your story brand. I think that truth is ultimately what's going to keep them coming and trusting you, if that makes sense. Um, let's talk about, what should we talk about? So you want to make your, sorry, this is not scripted. I hope you know that. So it's kind of like I, I put my thoughts in order and write notes and then I never read those notes. Because like, I know how I run my business and I know how I've run it. I don't need notes. I don't need to script it. So your customer is the hero of your story. Step off that fucking stage and give your customer the stage. Get on the lower step or behind the curtain and fucking clap your hands for them. That's what you do. The next tip and trick that I will give you is to launch fast and adjust later. You've heard me say this so many times. If you look at my first jar of Simply Inulin, it was very similar to the jar that we have today, but not as good quality, not PET, not um, not non-endocrine disruptor disrupting that lasted for a week. I never even shipped those. But the first picture, I think you can find it on IGTV. The first ever picture of my first jar of inulin was a big black circle that said the method, the body. Yeah, it's horrible. Horrible. I was learning. But you know what? I had to launch fast and adjust later. And I will credit my muse for that. I had copy cow copying every move of mine. And Lauren from the Skinny Confidential was in my house here in Monaco. We were making a video with um, 
Arielle Levy, her photographer, who made us look so pretty, by the way. Shout out to Arielle. The guys need a photographer. She's in California. We'll put her on the show notes. Um, so we're shooting the video and Lauren gets sidetracked. She's very funny to actually film with behind the scenes. She's super professional, but she could, you know, if an idea goes through her mind, she'll stop everything and just so and just talk to you. And so she did that. She's like, wait, hold on a second, cut. And like my coffee is coming out of an espresso machine and, you know, we're making simply annoying coffee for YouTube. That video is on YouTube now. And we're making it with the inulin I was using at the time, which I wasn't manufacturing yet. And she goes, Ingrid, you need to put inulin on the market. You need to source the best one and you need to put it on the market because Copy Cow is watching your every move and she is going to do that before you. And I said to Lauren, now, each time I talk about inulin, Copy Cow goes live and says it causes dumping syndrome. She made up some fucking syndrome about it. No, she's not. She goes, mark my words. She's allowed to change her mind. She might change her mind. She will copy you. So l- that day, Lauren and I and Michael and Jill and I, whatever, we all went to dinner. And I only wanted one thing was to get home after dinner, even though we had the best night at Sass Cafe. Um, my favorite place to party in Monaco. I miss Lauren. Anyways, I get sidetracked again. Um, and so we got home and I told Jill, I'm like, I'm not coming to bed. I have something to do. And I kind of started to go online and went on the hidden space in my website, website builder and created a page for Inulin. The next day I called the manufacturer of the inulin I was using at the time and I struck a deal with them. And the day after that, I was already getting all my certifications and whatever and inulin launched a few days into it. And when I launched it and started talking about it, it wasn't even put on the market yet. And my little website builder page was still not published about Simply Inulin. The other part of the website was because, you know, I was an existing business that had the fitness aspect of it, of the method and the protocol and customers in my studio in Monaco and all of that. But um, that didn't exist yet. But I did an IGTV or a live at the time and I, in, I announced it and I brought out the jar and I knew it was horrible, that jar. That jar was like... Oh, that sticker is so ugly. I'll have to repost it. But you know what? The product existed. I launched fast. I created all the buzz. And I also like made the idea mine before who you know who swooped in and kind of stole it from me because she certainly had more financial means and more people working for her and more reach to manufacturers than I would, little me would. You know, I was a tiny little business. I still am. And I love that about my business. Um, but I existed simply in Yolin started to exist that day and I launched it really fast and in the following three weeks before we could ship even though the product existed and people were lining up to pre-order it because Lauren was talking about it I, I had been talking about it for a year already I had tried so many different Inulins on the market by the time we shipped it, the jar was completely changed. The label was completely changed. The formula was improved. It was my my very own. 
I had gotten all my certifications. Um, I made sure we sourced from a, from a GMP facility. Um, and then, you know, I launched fast. I adjusted as I went. As you know, my jars have changed in since 2018. I think we've changed jars and labels maybe like six or seven times. The formula has changed three times. Um, at the beginning, we didn't have a kosher certification or halal certification. Now we do. You know, I adjusted as I went. And what's great about launching fast is that you have to put your need for perfection aside, which means putting your ego aside. And since you aren't the hero of the fucking story, putting your ego aside is a fucking good idea, wouldn't you say? So it all works in the end. To adjust later is also wonderful because you can launch your product you can address your real customers. You can find out who your real customers and who are the people that are just there to spy on you and criticize you and waste your time. And once you've defined who your customer, your audience is, you can talk to them and listen to them. They help you. They are your business partner in improving your business. Your business. All of your comments and feedback help me adjust to your needs, basically. And I throw in there a little bit of my own taste for things and like things that I need to because I find that a lot of my customers are very much like me and they want the same thing I do. You know, they want to take something that's good for their health, but they also want to make sure they don't gain weight. They want something good for their hormones, but they want something that looks cute in their kitchen. And, you know, they want to feel chic. They don't want some big bag that looks like a, you know, like, like a bulk powder, whatever for like people that, go to the gym and you know pump iron so adjusting later kind of has your ego take a step back and your ears open up and listen to your customers suggestions and I think that's the only way adjusting later with an open ear to your audience, your real customers, your heroes is huge. So do not be afraid of imperfection. And certainly don't wait until it's perfect. I've had Lauren. Lauren is the perfect example. She is brilliant. Everything she touches turns literally into gold. And she knows her shit. I've been waiting for her to launch her own products, her own skincare, her own whatever. Whatever she does, I will buy. Because she puts so much heart and passion and knowledge and research into everything she recommends. Why hasn't she launched her very, very own product yet? She wants it to be perfect. And every time I tell her, Lauren, what is imperfect to you will feel perfect to others and you can perfect it as you listen to them. As much as she's taught me about business, I think this is where I need to push her more. And I have my beautiful best friend, my other best friend, Ella, who's launching her bow company, um, The Bow by Ella Gorbo. And it's the same thing. She's made the bows. She's already done... Um, Riga Fashion Week in Latvia where she's created bows for a fashion company I have a bow that you saw me wearing uh, for my anniversary in Saint-Tropez 
we sent, I purchased a bow and I gifted it to Lauren. So you'll see Lauren wearing it soon. And there's a waiting list for the bow, but she hasn't launched yet because she didn't get her perfect boxes yet. And the box manufacturer was really, really delayed because of COVID. And I was like, who gives a fuck? Just ship them without the box. And she's like, no, it has to be perfect. I think it's a big mistake. I think we're all missing out on some exquisite bows and genius from Ella because she's taking time to launch simply because she's waiting for perfection. And she knows that and I tell her and I will tell you the same I tell to my best friends. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't know everything about business. Lauren teaches me a lot about, about business. Ella teaches me a lot about business. She was my client to start. I used to train her. And then she became a certified instructor for the method. And I've learned a lot in my career. And I've adjusted a lot uh, according to her recommendations as a client and as a friend and as a businesswoman. But launching fast, adjusting later is something that people that are perfectionist have a hard time with. And I used to be a pathological, pathologic, pathological perfectionist and I suffered from it and it was my downfall you know it's important to let go of ego in business and to not be confused with letting go of ego and letting go of confidence you can let go of your ego and still be very confident in what you're doing um, you don't have to look for perfection you should not look for perfection avoiding guru syndrome at all costs don't try to be a guru. The idea is to learn to liberate your customers and audience instead of entrapping them in dependency. I don't feel like your customers should depend on you because the natural course of things in life, if that happens, is that at some point they will feel like they need to go on a detox from it. You don't want to do that. The more you give a freedom, for example, a product that there's no dependency on, but freedom to use it when they need it, will keep them coming don't try to be a guru don't try to be oprah on stage oprah's oprah she has her own way of doing things and it's giving back and she's put on stage to give back so it's it's a different story she has a way of bringing people on stage with her and making them heroes as well but don't try to be a guru guru syndrome is really bad so avoid it at every cost trying to build dependency in your customers as opposed to giving them freedom is a big mistake. It works when people are obsessed with you, but when they finally find something else or open their eyes to a downfall in your operation, they'll go on a detox from you and it becomes like a hate relationship. Avoid leading as a boss you know, or a collaborator or a competitor with a scarcity mindset. Thinking there's only room for one is very 1990s. There's room for everyone. I think collaborating is actually, actually amazing for success. Most old timers are afraid of collab. They think they can be the only ones existing in this space, whatever space it is. I think collaboration is amazing. It shows that you're confident 
and you're wanting to bring more to the table by bringing more brains, more beauty, more talent to the table, you can absolutely collaborate with someone in your field, not with a scarcity mindset. Sharing with someone in the first place is good. It will make your audience feel safe with you. It will give them this sense that you are unbiased in your quest to helping them. When I started Simply in New Land, my goal was to write a cookbook. And before that, I had the opportunity to write an ebook with Steph Wakefield, who owns uh, the company Tiny Tea. Now, those are not flat tummy teas at all. They're actually Chinese medicine teas. And when Steph and I kind of met each other in Capri, I launched in New Lane shortly thereafter, we started chatting on Instagram, her and I, and she was like, you know what? I have a tea for gut health. You have a New Lane for gut health. You know, I you can work with my Chinese medicine doctor that we employ here and you can write a cookbook with us. And we did. So before my own cook, not a cookbook, sorry, an ebook. Before my own ebook, which was a cookbook, was to come out, and it was to come out really shortly. Th- shortly, I decided to do the ebook with Steph and Dr. Chen, which is the Chinese medicine doctor that was working with her and creating the Tiny Tea for Gut Health. And we wrote "Follow Your Gut" together. The ebook came out, and we sold it as a package with tiny tea for gut health, so the tea and the inulin. And the ebook explained exactly how to take the two but not take them at the same time. We made it work. And at no time did I feel threatened. At no time did I feel I had a scarcity mindset that, oh my God, if people start loving Stephanie and her Chinese medicine doctor behind her brand and they start loving her tea, they won't buy a new lane or they won't listen to me. And you know what? It was a huge success. And what was great is that she gained my audience and I gained her audience. And together we gained an audience that we would not have gone on our own. So collaborating and not leading with a scarcity mindset, thinking there's only room for one is actually the way to go so whether you're a millennial you know that millennials know that they're very good with that or you're an you know an older an old timer i want to say like me i'm an old timer in this world today i'm 43 you know the scarcity mindset existed when i was in business 10 years ago um you you kind of want to adjust adjust to that it's super important Today, I want to talk to you about therecoup.com. They provide clean beauty products and non-invasive tools, non-invasive tools that help to improve the quality of your life. They also carry Simply Inulin, 
They are an authorized retailer for the District of Columbia, Massachusetts, and Colorado. They carry so many products that I love. They also have a really cute blog that, that helps you kind of figure out what you need. Their latest blog is on reducing puffiness, bloat, cellulite at home, the 411 on lymphatic drainage. So I would love for you to support this business owned by Erica Batchelor. She is the cutest. You can also follow her on her private page and see how she lives the recoup lifestyle. TheRecoup.com Something that really resonated with me and you might want to read it or even um, buy it in audio, which is what I did. When I started running my business and brought Simply Inulin on the market and then I started bringing more products on the market, my friend Lauren, and sorry I'm mentioning her a lot on this podcast because she's been a great inspiration for me uh, in my business. That's why I call her my muse. She's really, really, really been um, you know, a propeller for me. She said, it's very funny because you run your business like this book that I read um, by Donald Miller, Building a Story Brand. And you know what? I actually got the book on Amazon Audio and I would listen to it like I listen to podcasts while I'm commuting, while I'm going places. And Donald Miller actually organized my exact thoughts into this book. Um, I had not read the book before and it is true that I was really going by the very same principles something that was crazy is that i was always talking about you know i'm not the hero of my story brand my customers are and that is literally the first thing that's in his book so you know if you're enjoying this podcast episode and you want more structure in building your brand and building your business from an acclaimed um businessman and author Donald Miller building a story brand is actually great and it's so so aligned with the way that I've been building my business and I've actually made tweaks throughout the way once I discovered him to kind of apply some of his stuff I don't apply everything there are things for example where I don't necessarily agree with what he says for example he says to give samples I think samples brings a lot of time wasted and energy wasted in my kind of business. Um, I'll give you an example. Simply Inulin is a commitment. And while it sucks that you have to buy the product without knowing if it will work for you, taking risks is important. I find that America runs a lot on sampling things and sometimes they never stop sampling. People sample, they're butterflies. They sample friendship, they, they sample products, they sample music, and they never really truly consume it. So will it eventually bring an array of customers you wouldn't al- otherwise have if you let them samples? If you didn't let them sample? Perhaps, but you know what? I realized from my business, my audience is not an audience of samplers. It's an audience of people that have sampled so many diets, so many products in the past that have not worked for them. And these companies that sold them on samples didn't last very long in their consumer's life. So 
when you come to me, I'm really, really the last link in the chain of everything people have tried for their health. And at that point, you can't sample something that requires commitment, an adjustment period. Technically, if I let you sample inulin, what's going to happen is that you're only going to sample the part where you're bloated and you fart. That doesn't speak very much for my product. So inulin becomes truly a magical, magical product way beyond sampling it because it's after three to four weeks when you've gone through the adjustment period that you start feeling the flat tummy and feeling all types of good. So for example, as far as rose oil, and this is where I didn't follow Donald Miller's ways completely. I, you know, I export and import, actually export, um, rose oil from Morocco, fucking beautiful rose oil. Bringing rose oil from Morocco, from agricultural um, sources, bringing it to Monaco, going through, you know, all of that it entails to actually source it from such a natural, agricultural, artisanal, pure source bringing it to this country and then, you know, getting all the certifications and the inspections and, and then the bottling it up and then the labeling and then shipping it out to so many of you, mainly people that are in North America. I can't even imagine giving a sample of that. People will run on samples. I've seen it. It's, you know, it's, it's actually a joke in so many movies. People go to Neiman Marcus and keep on asking for samples. There was a movie uh, with Jennifer Aniston called Friends with Money. And Jennifer Aniston's a maid in there. And so she's like really loving the luscious Chanel skincare. So she keeps on going to Neiman Marcus or wherever and getting these samples that are limited to one per customer or something like that. That's not my customer. My customer is going to buy the small rose oil bottle, will try it. And if it's too expensive, I understand. That's the thing. That's the thing about your story brand. Know your heroes. I know there are certain people that cannot consume my product, but they're not my customers. My customer has to, you know, get to me where they're willing and able and able to afford um, and I know it's tricky and it, you know, it can be sensed and received badly by some of you. But my customer understands that I go through a lot to bring these products out. And the sourcing is expensive and it comes from Monaco, you know, working in Monaco, renting a lab in Monaco and an office in Monaco is expensive. And, you know, all of the criteria that make these products so good don't necessarily like allow me to be able to make the expense of giving samples for something so precious. And I think for me, it actually sets aside the audience that is not really my consumer type. Like people that are going to ask for samples, we answer their emails, of course, you know, courtesy, but we're like, this is not someone who buys. 
So it's kind of a good way also to find ways to make your decisions and make your message so clear that it will set aside people that are not your consumer. I see a lot of companies want to have every consumer, everyone's consumer, not staying in their lane. And that gets me to the next point. Stay in your lane. The same way that you're going to choose your consumer because you can only best serve a consumer if you choose them, you identify them. They are the ones that really need your products. They're the ones you're talking to. How do you stay in your lane? Well, for me, this is my trick. Because I'm so much on social media for work and I deliver my message on social media to my consumers and my audience, I make it my business to not consume peers' content. And that's very hard to do because there are so many peers that I respect. But very often people will go, oh, um, Dr. So-and-so or this influencer you know, has the same message as you. Have you read their blog post? Have you read their book? You know, or this one wrote something on hormones so similar to what you're saying. Have you read her book? So while I educate myself, my, um, my knowledge comes from what I've studied. So we're talking about, you know, uh, research, study books, things like that. I do not consume peer content so that my message doesn't get blurred up. You know, ultimately, if you spend a lot of time with someone, you start having the same mimics as them, the same expressions, you start acting like them a little bit. Sometimes you start even having the same facial expressions. I feel like with content, it's the same. And I see it with some of my consumers, some of my audience who branch out into the wellness world. A lot of them are inspired and I'm very flattered and I don't even get offended. Um, but I see them becoming you know, health or wellness professionals or they just got their certifications and they said, oh, you've inspired me so much. Your knowledge has been so great. But then they start sharing knowledge. And I think subconsciously a lot of them start sharing stuff. And I could see it actually stemming from my content. And that's okay. You know, I'm here to inspire, educate, and hopefully solve problems for many. So it's okay, but I don't want to do that. Because... I've presented my business and my story brand as an originator, as a problem solver at the end of the chain, meaning the people that get to me are ready for exorcism at this point. They've tried the diets, they've tried the naturopath, they've tried the cleanses, the juices, all of that. They've tried the medication, the hormonal testing. They've tried it all. They've spent hours in the gym and their body, their metabolism is not responsive. So that's when people get to me. So when I've positioned myself as that last link on the health and wellness chain, I have to make sure that I stay consistent and that I stay relevant by staying unique, bringing a unique approach. So while I do refer to medical research, medical specialists, you know, uh, Chinese medicine, the Talmud, which is ancient wisdom. And I do talk about my sources when I share this knowledge. 
I still, you know, have a hypnosis in my mind where I kind of mold my approach. And I feel like when you are constantly consuming someone's content, someone you may admire or someone you may envy, you end up sounding like them. So staying in your lane also means, you know, stick to what you know, not what other people know. Don't follow trends. Don't get obsessed with one content creator or one professional. You know, each one has their bread of, you know, their loaf and their load. And kind of, you know, copycatting is like, it's very often, it's not even malice. Copy cow, my copy cow, it was malice. Malice, jealousy, call it whatever you will. On top of it, she didn't need my content. She's got her own credentials and, you know, a lot of resources to get well-known, lots of PR, things that my little company and myself don't have. She really didn't need to be copying me. I think some of it was even spiteful. You know, this this old-fashioned scarcity mindset, if you will. Um, but most of the time, when a younger, you know, a health practitioner or wellness practitioner comes into my space and loves Inulin and even recommends it to their new customers when they start practicing in their field. You know, if they start writing things that I know they've learned from me and they don't necessarily credit me, very often I think it's just the subconscious that they've been immersed so much in my content that it's become theirs. Uh, and so I would say when you build your business, you want to be unique and you want to bring your unique approach. You want to collaborate with people that are slightly different from you and that can enrich that approach. But you also want to put blindfolds on and stop consuming your peers' content um, so that you can stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Also, I think by staying in your lane, what I'm saying is, you know, when a nutritionist starts shooting workout videos like she's a fitness guru or when a professional in the wellness world start giving speeches like she's a preacher at church or you know when a fashion blog blogger starts talking to you about gut health like you've got to wonder why don't they stay in their lane and and you know what they aren't going to sell what they're good at selling because they're not staying in their lane. So truly, before even defining your customers, you need to define yourself and what you're good at. If you're not good at something but it's needed in your business, don't be afraid to delegate. You cannot be everything. A very, very, very brilliant health and wellness practitioner may be a terrible CEO so maybe let somebody else be your CEO or your COO. Just know what you're good at and delegate in what you're not good at. I've delegated accounting, for example. I'm terrible at accounting. I'm good with numbers, you know, when it comes to money. <laughs> I guess that's the Jewish side of me. Um, and my mother was a forensic accountant. So it's funny because I've watched my parents and, you know, they've involved us in their business. Like when they would go away and you know they they needed like an extra pair of eyes even when i was 14 15 she'd say i want you to go do your homework at the store at the store after school just so you can kind of pay attention to what the employees are doing and i've done that 
And then at 17, I would like stay at the store and be a sales girl. And, you know, then at 18, I would literally like go from one shop to the other and kind of oversee things when my parents were traveling. That really, really was like the best school of life and business for me. And, you know, seeing the way that my parents balanced out their powers in the company that they had together. My mother was the forensic accountant. That's what she's good at. Very good with numbers, which is so funny because I hate accounting and I hate numbers. But I understand sales. And that was my father's brain. My father was was a brain in sales. So talented with sales. Sales and business and just commerce in general. And so they've balanced it out and they've delegated to each other. And I think that's brilliant. When you don't know at that point, delegate. But that kind of goes a little bit against what I said about um, having graphic designers do your website. Try to learn though. Don't become completely codependent on a on an expert in something your company is your own you should be able to do everything even if you don't do it very well and with graphic design I would say at the very beginning to write your story brand don't don't give your book your whole story to a stranger to do don't pay someone to do that maybe the book cover but not the book not the content Make your message very clear. What do you offer? How will you make your customer's life better? And what do they need to do to buy it? And really, really define that so clearly. It doesn't have to be so difficult to buy what you have to sell. So I think that that's, you know, one of the principles to be really clear and really simple. And I think that for me, the way that I've sold health was because of the way that I simplify it. Simplifying health has made me a go-to for so many people where they did not understand things before. And I kind of made it simple for them to understand. Giving away free content, free information for me has been such a winner in business. Don't be stingy with your knowledge. Give it generously with generosity. This, this pays back 1000%. Trust me. If you have an expertise and even if you are selling your expertise, this is something that is so easy for you to share. It is not a product that you have to produce, that you have to you know, go through so much to export that you have to go through so much to package, not like my fucking beautiful rose oil. Knowledge is something that you have and that is so easy for you to share with others. So even if you're selling a product, even if you're selling a, a service, be generous with your knowledge and give it for free. That for me gives back 1000% return on interest. Trust me on that. Don't 
Double Take and Co. The Bolt Girls. Double Take is a company that was founded by a mother-daughter duo. So they run this small business and it provides career coaching services to people looking to change careers, move up, prepare for an interview, boost their resume or LinkedIn. They also provide various marketing services like website redesign. Right now, they're giving away free half-hour career coaching consultation, especially to those struggling through the pandemic. Their Insta page is at the Bolt Girls and they have their website there on the blog. So you can also visit the blog. I love this. It's a mother-daughter duo. They're super cute. Even the, even the Instagram is really, really cute. So um, just visit them. I think this was a perfect feature for this episode, specifically since we're talking about, you know, starting your small business and branding and all of that. So these buzz babes are just the girls you may need. And I think you can take them up on this half free half hour of coaching. Um, the website is www.doubletake.com slash lifestyle slash blog.com we're going to put that it's a little complicated so we're going to put it on the show notes creating a system that is going to organically advertise for you is important so in my case for example my branding is everything I want people to feel amazing when they open their package like they've received a gift and they've received a warm hug from Monaco because if I was in my store when people come in to buy in Milan, COVID aside, I would feel like someone that comes in to buy simply in Milan is someone who's been struggling with bloat or hormonal issues or gut health. Someone's looking to feel better. They need a hug. I would probably give you a hug if you came into my shop. We'd be so happy to meet each other, right? After all the interactions that we've had on Instagram, after what you feel in your lens done for you. For me, the way to send a warm hug to you when you open my packages is through my packaging. All the love and the thought process that's gone into it. The flair, the chic, the coloring, the branding. I stay very, very true to my brand. You will keep on seeing the pink and the black and the palm trees. You know, don't try to be a social butterfly in your branding and trying to tap into every trend that there is. Stay true to your brand. Let people recognize you, the packaging behind your brand. And so for me, my message is very clear. It's about health. It's about being pure. It's about transparency. And it's about bringing some chic and luxury because everyone deserves it. And so this packaging, when you open it, kind of says something to you. And what it does also it's generating referrals. Let me explain. There was, um, I wonder if it's not Gary V. Gary V is amazing, by the way, but very annoying to listen to. Like his voice rises my cortisol. So sometimes I try to listen to him, but very little um, because of his voice. Like I find him very, you know, he's tr trying to be too compelling. But that's something with me and my perception of voices and noise and things like that. But he makes some good points. And he said, give a discount to people that will repost your product on social media instead of paying for marketing. 
you know don't pay influencers paying influencers i i you know you oh, you know how i feel about that so i'm not even gonna go into it but you know unsponsored fucking be an unsponsored bitch like me you know any 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 sponsor ingrid ever had is ingrid you know that um so how do we get sponsored posts like how do you do this without having this inauthentic exchange of giving something for free to an influencer or paying an influencer to talk about your product well make your consumer your paying consumer feel good about it meaning they are so thankful to open up a box and instead of finding you know great tissue paper and like bubble wrap or whatever they find that you've put so much love and beauty into it that they just want to share it on their social media and that's pretty much what's been happening i've made my packaging this warm hug from Monaco, this chic hug from Monaco, this flare, something so exciting, something so pretty that when people receive it, they just want to share it. They're happy to partake in the sharing of something that's brought light into their day when they open their package. And then the free testimonials for me are everything. And I just love the fact that people send them to me without me asking for them or without you know saying oh send me a before and after and you know we'll feature you or anything like that I just get these messages and I share them and those are my influencers so you need to find a way to to get that to get that organically without paying and also if you're a small business owner paying is not at your fingertips I find it very obnoxious that these influencers are taking advantage of small business owners for, by taking freebies from them to repost um, you there are better ways of of getting that organically and it's definitely to focus on your customer rather than on fooling your customer with having influencers and people they look up to speak about the product it's great don't get me wrong when my bestie lauren speaks about inulin it's, it's such a great boost for my business, but what's better for me and greater for me, and I think why it's worked so well for me when she does and when someone with her amount of followers do is that people realize that I didn't pay her for it and I didn't give it to her for free. Lauren buys her Sinclair Inulin for me. Once in a while, I'll send her a new packaging. I'll thank her. I've done a special edition for her that I gifted to her uh, with her face on, on my jar that was my thank you but we didn't even put it up for sale so I mean we put I think a few for sale now she has them she did not put them up for sale she had them just for show and she did some giveaways with them um, that was my thank you to her for inspiring me to bring in your on the market and for all of her support but I think today you need to step away from the inauthentic um, and not organic influencer market you know, of sending shit for free to influencers um, and letting them fool your buyer. Let your buyer be, your customer be your influencer. Make them so happy, make them feel so good about sharing your product that they simply will. This is where you need to focus. Protect yourself. This I learned the very, very hard way. So protect your intellectual property by existing on social media with it, existing 
online with it, stamp it with your name, whatever it is. If it's a product, if it's an idea, if it's um, an approach, if it's a slogan, you know, do a podcast. Podcasts stay online forever. They put a timestamp on the idea so that if someone comes after you, you can prove easily that you were there first. So protect your intellectual property. And then the one, the biggest slap in my face was um, not having ironclad NDAs, non-disclosure agreements with employee. I opened my heart and my home to an employee uh, who ended up fucking me over or trying to fuck me over um, so bad. And that was so violating because I let her into my home. You know, when she started to work for me, my business was even smaller than it than it is today and I you know my business is still small but my office in Monaco was so small because the rents are so high that I hated working there so as the team grew and she was the first spur of growth in my business hiring her because that was a big salary for me but I needed the help um I said to her you know you'll come work in my house with me you're a lovely lady the kids will love you the dogs will love you at least we'll have the view on the sea because working in that office in Monaco, it's so small, you know, and I have to have an office for legal reasons, but let's work from the house. And so when we parted ways, not in the nicest ways, she tried to say that she should have part of my business because she's helped me build it, which was horrible because it took me nine years to build this business. And you hire people, you pay them to help you, it doesn't entitle them to any part of your business. Employees are employees. So you need to not open your heart as much. You know, you can become friendly. You can definitely, you know, have nice relationships. And sometimes they can turn into a partnership. A partnership. I've seen people going from employees to becoming partners with their bosses. And that's definitely not something I would be, you know, close to. But not after nine months and then not after you know you've put nine years into it and someone worked for you for nine months and they just yeah they facilitated you know the process of your business growing but it doesn't mean they're entitled to your business so that was really horrible to me and then she did not have an ironclad nda i saw her as not a threat so kind and so you know a little bit older than me and just like i i think i opened myself too much emotionally and my home and when we parted ways, there was a lot of deception in a sense. And I wanted to part ways positively because the year had been amazing with her. And we had beautiful growth together. Um, but she certainly made a lot of money for it. I paid a salary for it. Um, she ended up reaching out to customers on Instagram in a weird way. And... I found out recently that she was telling these customers that I did not even have an operation and that I worked from home, um, that my business did not really exist, that business that paid her so much money. And my father always said, don't, don't shit on the hand that fed you. And that's pretty much what she did. But it was pretty funny because the person that ended up sending me those messages she sent, sent them to me sometimes in March of 2020, and I mean, by that time, a year had passed and I was always sharing the behind the scenes of my office and my growth. 
So it's true before when she was working for me, we weren't really showing office because there was no real office. I had a tiny, tiny one in Monaco that, you know, I was not embarrassed to share, but there's nothing to share. It was nice and there was not even like real daylight in it. Um, and I'm not ashamed of that. So when that person sent me this message and said, well, look what she's saying about you. She was saying you weren't really even running a real business. Um, you know, there's no shame in being so small and then slowly growing. But going back to the point was I could have gone after her and I did. I mean, we had an attorney for other reasons get involved, um, but I wasn't covered legally as well as I should have been. So even though your business may start off really small, Always think of your business as it can explode anytime. So whoever you bring on, act like a boss. Don't act like a friend. You have friends elsewhere. You don't need to make friends at work. Have ironclad NDAs. Even if your business is small and there's nothing to protect at the beginning. Um, also, do not rely on an employee or a supplier that gives you that indispensable vibe. My mom always said to me, if an employee makes you feel like they're indispensable, fire them. And I used to think, gosh, that's so fucking harsh. But my mom was a business monster. She was amazing. She is badass. She fucking kicked ass in business, really, seriously. And I should have listened to her. And she said, anybody. And she said that to me about a babysitter. I was working on Sex in the City. And Dylan was like a babe, really, really a baby. And... I had this nanny that worked for me and she kind of did whatever the fuck she wanted because I needed her so bad. Literally, if she called me to tell me she couldn't come, I would cry because I'd be afraid to lose that amazing job. And I would call my mom crying and say, you know, I can't go to work. The babysitter's not coming. She, she'd be like, fire her. And I'm like, no, I can't. I really need her. You know, I can't live without her. I lose my job. I lose my life. I need that babysitter. Dylan was really small and, you know, um, because of his issues at the time I couldn't even put him in a nursery and my mom said to me listen to me and listen close fire her now anybody that gives you the indispensable vibe needs to be fired everyone is replaceable and I didn't listen to her and it took me about 15 years of learning the hard way that anyone that gave me that you can't do this without me vibe and that I kept keeping and being a bitch like you know being their bitch literally you know um, every single one of them fucked me and set me back in my business. So anyone that gives you that indispensable, irreplaceable vibe, learn to do their job so that if you need to get rid of them, you can replace them. When I parted ways with certain employees, I knew to do their job. You've seen me packing boxes, you know, wrapping in tissue paper. You've seen me doing the administrative work when I couldn't keep my secretary. Like you need to know how to do their job. And anytime you feel in a zone where you're their bitch because they're indispensable, get rid of them. There's such a market of people out there that are needing jobs and that are so brilliant, you can hire someone else. Don't be lazy. Get rid of anyone that feels indispensable or at least gives you that indispensable vibe. I love my employees. Today, I have an amazing team and every single one of them is essential to running my business the way that I do. But none of them are irreplaceable. I'm irreplaceable in my business. That's it.
and I keep on reinventing myself myself so in a way I fire myself very often and rehire you know another better version of myself the most important lesson to learn here is to lead with humility lead with humility have gratitude to the people that invest in you your customers my customers I have so much gratitude towards because when they pay me when they pay me money for my products they're telling me I believe in you I invest in you that is more than my mother even did for me so be grateful to your consumers for believing in you and investing in you be humble humility is so big and that goes hand in hand with not situating yourself as the hero in your story brand and listen to your consumers feedback listen to your consumers they are your mentors you guys are my tribe of mentors you teach me where I go wrong you encourage me where I go right you tell me what's needed in my market you boost me by investing in me and I listen I listen so closely I'm open to criticism and I religiously adjust according to criticism and let me tell you very often I'm like you know who the fuck is this bitch to tell me what to do with my packaging but this bitch is the one who needs the packaging I'm serving her so I'm constantly fighting the demon of egos and constantly fighting the demon of fear. Do not let fear drive you. In business, I have more of a fear of regret, regretting not going into a certain venture and seeing someone else doing it instead of me, rather than, a re- than, than fear of failure. Failure is part of it. Every single one of my failures in business have built my strength in business so don't be afraid of failure be afraid if you want to be afraid of anything be afraid of regret that's why you should just launch fast adjust later the worst thing that can happen is that you fail and start again no big deal don't have an ego you're not the hero of your story brand anyways if that makes sense be innovative instead of stealing someone's thunder innovate be unique no one can be you and you cannot be someone else do not steal someone's ideas you can be inspired by a mentor certainly but you know what's better than one mentor who you look up to a tribe of mentors that actually have buying power and can invest in you your consumers should inspire you rather than someone that caters to other consumers the little ads that you're hearing in this podcast today are not sponsored i've picked from my tribe some small business owner female owned businesses and i've decided to showcase them to give them a boost since none of my content is sponsored 
and this podcast is completely free. So I hope you don't skip over those ads because these businesses are badass. Those are small business owners who have a dream and make you the heroes of their story brand. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions, any criticism that can help me adjust, please don't hesitate to drop me a line on Instagram or to leave a voice message on Anchor. Make sure to check the show notes for links to the businesses that I have featured today and for information on my own products. On this note, I wish you a beaucoup day sending you beaucoup de bisous bisous from Monaco. I'm going to end this episode by shouting out Starlight music um, by my beautiful friend and former client Liz Stark and her friend Andrew who um, I mean they're amazing they just came out with their new single it's called holding on and here is a snippet of it we're going to put the link to um, download the song on Spotify in the show notes <laughs>